Hello, and welcome to another episode of Sounds from the 70s with Gary and Rob, coming to you from the beautifully decadent Winchester building in the downtown metropolis area. And today, today of all days, Rob. Shuggy. <laughs> no, today you're not shuggy. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> when I say you're shuggy, then um, you then can, I can be, be shuggy. shuggy. But today I didn't say it. Am I at least two sheds? No, no, you're not that today. Only when I say it. I'm just Rob. You're just Rob. You're just, you're just Rob, fourth banana, and there's not even a second or third. All right. <laughs> well, then I'll I'll try to get hey, excited about this. As I was saying before, Rob was talking about Shuggy. Today is one of our quick turnaround shows. Quick turnaround. Oh, do we have quick turnaround shows? We, oh, well, we do now. <laughs> Which we usually have. If we have, yeah, I think we've had some quick turnaround shows. Oh, we yeah, only have, yeah, yeah. I think we had in the, the summertime because that's when you had like uh, the weather. two days in a row or something. Yeah, like yeah. That. yeah. And because of the weather and stuff, we only uh, taped the last episode like four days ago. So this episode is what we call the quick turnaround, which doesn't affect Rob too much. We had to cram. And when we say we. <laughs> Rob means I have to write the script and do all the background and do all the biography in only four days, which means the coming um, week off is much needed. Well, I'm the one who has to hope you get all that stuff done. Oh, I know. You You have to sit at home and say, is he doing all that work? I hope he is. <laughs> <laughs> Will I get a message telling me, show is delayed? <laughs> Get, why don't you just get your act together and start writing it then? Um, <laughs> I should really be prodding him with a stick. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. And, and the big thing because of that is that Mr. Winchester, like we said before, doesn't turn on our air conditioning. And he uses that as some kind of an excuse. But it's funny because all the other rental areas in the building have air conditioning. And he says that the whole building doesn't work. uh, I don't quite get it, but I do feel it's a little bit of a ruse. I think it's a definite ruse. And then he puts it on on the weekends when we're not here, so... We got to do more shows on the weekends. Yes, but we don't like that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) We did the last show on the weekend. Which uh, which was the last show? The... uh, Stranglers. uh, The Stranglers. And uh, Rob bitched about it. <laughs> it does cut into 10 my... minutes after the show about he doesn't want to do any more weekend shows. It does cut into my drinking time. Uh, okay. What are we doing today, Rob? We're doing that show that's all about stuff that people find interesting and will tune into again and again. Oh, and not again. listening to you. I have to, I have to say also that Mr. Winchester this week ran into our producer, Uptown Mike. Get out of town. Who is our producer in name only? <laughs> Get out of uptown. Because he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't do shit. But anyways. <laughs> so he ran into Uptown Mike in the building and he told him to stop acting so fruity. Now Mike, Winchester told Mike that. Okay. Yeah, Winchester Mr. Winchester told Mike, Uptown Mike, sorry, to stop acting so fruity when he's in the building. Now, I don't know what he means by that, although I do understand it. Because <laughs> Uptown Mike is a bit of an asshole, and maybe that's what he meant. Like, I don't think he means it in the old context of 
hey sailor i think i think he means it in the context of can you stop being an asshole i think oh okay saying. yeah yeah that's and in that regards i say tally ho mr yeah. winchester good boy i'd say uh up down mike little less fruit <laughs> little less fruit in your diet it will make you less of an ass um, i'm still grasping the new uh the new meanings of words Oh, I didn't turn the thing on. We got to turn the thing on. Uh, our to our dedicated listeners, I forgot to turn the uh, timer on. Five minutes of time. We're five minutes into the show. Usually, uh, actually, not usually. The first three weeks of the show, Mike did that, and he hasn't done it for sixty-six weeks since. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. You forgot the timer, but you got all your tabs. I know it has to be some mistake that happens, right? There's balance in the universe. <sighs> Today's show is the final episode in our three-part look at British New Wave music in the late 70s, and we will be talking about the Boomtown Rats and their 1978-79 album. I'll tell you why it's slash. You'd better. In, uh, in later on in the show, their album, uh, A Tonic for the Troops, their, their second album. Uh, there's no odds and ends segment this week because we have nothing to odd and end about. I have one short odd and end. When you told me what the album was last week, I spent a day or two looking for an album called Atomic for the Troops. God, see what I have to work with, people? You understand now, right? Atomic for the Troops. Like, you understand it gave why, me Blondie, why gave me every three or four weeks... I need to have a week off. Do you understand now? Oh, the amount of disasters that can befall me uh, in my quest for knowledge. Why didn't you Why didn't you type in Boomtown Rats? I didn't, and it took me a while to find it. I was like, wait a second, there's the hieroglyphics Gary was speaking of. Anyways, we have no odds <laughs> and ends. Um, Baba, don't take no ends. Oh, but you had a story. Before we go in, we got a, we got a good segment coming up. But before we go in, let's get this over with. It's... What happened to Rob this week at work? At work? Yes, at work. Now, normally this is just a bit of a show where uh, Gary does something while I uh, occupy time. But this time... You have an actual story. <laughs> <laughs> I spend the day, I'm uh, drilling like holes in the ceiling with this, uh, this hammer drill. And there's all this dust falling on me. And about, uh, you know, uh, 2 o'clock I uh, go to the porta potty to, you know, uh, relieve myself. And uh, In what way? Uh, just number one. Um, <laughs> just in case anybody out there is interested. <laughs> but all this dust, it uh, falls down my clothing and uh, gets in my uh, my zipper there, and I can't zip up. I can't zip up. <laughs> I haven't heard this story, by the way. <laughs> you couldn't zip up. Okay. No. So I had the button up, <laughs> and then I had to uh, head out the porta potty and head over to the uh, the main tool area where uh, all the guys were gathered for break and. Uh, I had to uh, plug in the vacuum and uh, and uh, remove the dust from my zipper. <laughs> so just then the boss's son shows up. Oh, the boss's son is gay, <laughs> by the way. It's it's not the kind of thing you want anyone seeing. No, but especially not your gay coworker. No, because he's going to be intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> What's he doing? Maybe even why is he doing it? Yeah. Can I get him to do it to me? <laughs> <laughs> if he's doing it to himself, why can't he do it to everybody else at work? Just that's all that happened. It's just I wanted to warn you people that if you're uh, drilling holes in a concrete ceiling, uh, guard your zipper. 
Ooh, that's a that's a good piece of There's advice. There's a moral to the story, especially if they're if you work. And sometimes you don't know if you're working with a gay person, be it woman or man, because uh, oh no, you can tell. Oh yeah. As do how far apart their eyes oh, are. Oh, because of their nose. <laughs> <laughs> There's physical features that give it away. Yes. Just like the Jews, right, Rob? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I know just by looking at them. What I want is a lot of bad email. <laughs> Speaking of email. We're doing email? I like email, you like, like email. email, we all like, like email. Email. Yes. <laughs> we don't like going to rehearsals and practicing the theme, but we no, like email. We put people, uh, we send people to do the rehearsals and they tell us about it and then we say, eh, that sounds all right. Whatever. No, we prefer raw. Raw. <laughs> okay. So here we go with the one segment loved by one and all, except me. Because I have to answer your freaking, I mean, your nice emails. And uh, this week, we have an email from Doug McDougan in Dundee, Scotland. Hey, I love that name. I just love that name. Hey, McDougan, what you doing with my sister, McDougan? It makes you want to fight, doesn't it? It does. (laughs) Doug, you have the greatest freaking name. I mean, it's probably nothing in Scotland because everybody's got Mick and stuff like that. But down, you know, where we are, like having a name like Doug McDougan, like you say it like one word. And it's like, hey, Doug McDougan, what you doing with your zipper? You know, like things like that. Oh, I love that. I wouldn't pick a fight with him. Oh, uh, you had a little bit too much there, McDougan. And then he started a fight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, his reputation would spread, and everyone would watch for the McDougans. <laughs> watch for McDougans. <laughs> so, now that we've made fun of Doug writing in, in Dundee's... Oh, by the way, Dundee, Scotland. This is the work I do. So on the coast. All week. Dundee, Scotland has a population of around 150,000 Scotsmen and women. 150,000. Ladies. And ladies. Ladies. <laughs> and it's best known. See? Do you do you ever appreciate the work that I do for the show? And it's best known for its production of the long vegetable fiber called hemp. Rob Hemp. Jute. <laughs> you know Jute. Oh, Jute. Yeah. Hey, Jute. Yeah. Yeah, Hey, Jute. Uh, the Paul McCartney, McCartney song. song. Yeah. I love that song. Hey, hey Jute, Jute. You're such a long vegetable. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the show's going off the rails mighty quick today. <laughs> so, um, and that is true though. They are they are famous for the long vegetable fiber. Called, I don't I don't even know what a long vegetable fiber is. I remember I think I had a long vegetable fiber when I was young, like eighteen. I think. Uh, but when you get older, it's not as long or fibery. No. <laughs> I think uh, we had some furniture made of. Uh, <laughs> so. Rob, could you tell us what Doug McDougan... Hey, McDougan, that's my car, McDougan. <laughs> I love that. You're going to go all on a tangent here, I know. I am. You're I'm wasting going... valuable time because of, of a great man. He may be a great man. He may be an idiot. I don't know. But I'm Doug McDougan. We can make him great. We'll make him great. So what does Doug McDougan have on his mind, Rob? I'll read you the email here. Hey guys, I just wanted to ask Gary, since he's listened to so many records, what he considers the worst album ever made. Doug, you filthy bastard. (laughs) You know, I told you not to ask me that question while my show is on McDougan. 
Uh, <laughs> oh, you're just uh, talking like that because you know he's uh, across the Pacific. I know he can't do anything. <laughs> I got a feeling if Doug McDougan was here, he would hit me because that's the kind of name he has. I'm kind of expecting the fish to come right out of the microphone. Yeah. And, uh, and then he'd laugh and he'd pick me up and say, let's go for a pint. <laughs> that's what men do. <laughs> we fight and then we, it's done and we drink. This is a good question, though, and I know this answer without even blinking twice to think about it. Uh, there used to be a time when I used to have to debate what is the worst album <laughs> ever that I've listened to. And oh, I've listened like, to some uh, Tailbore records. But every time this question is, and it's been asked of me more than I would like. Nobody ever asks, what do you think the best album yeah. ever is? They All your like life. To know, they always like, to, what's the worst album you've ever listened to? Not all my life, but like stinker. in the last 10 years or so, they always like ask, like, oh, what's the worst album? You know, you've heard so many albums, what's the worst album? They say, what's your favorite album? That one. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, the favorite album sometimes changes, because depending on the mood, but the worst album for me never changes. And that's, uh, it is an album from 1970 from a band called Attila. Now, the album is self-titled, and the band featured a very young Billy Joel on keyboards and a drummer by the name of John Small. That's right. There's only two freaking members in the band. There's no bass. There's no guitar. There's just keyboards and, and drums. drums. Not even a bass. Now, funny. the funny thing is, uh, is that their idea, this is their idea, not my idea. They were an early version of the White Stripes. No. No? They wanted to sound like uh, Jimi Hendrix and the Experience, right? Like the three-piece, but they wanted this is such a bad idea. <laughs> they wanted, like Billy Joel wanted to get all the pyrotechnic and crazy guitar sounds that Jimi Hendrix got from his, his... big keyboard type setup that they had you know back then like a keith emerson i'm guessing thing. it was probably pre-keith emerson it's about the same time as very same time as emerson lake and palmer released their first album in 1970 okay, and uh, but they, they oh god this album is so bad and i i'm, I'm rating this album there there may be like there's an album by the shugs that's a terrible album but they were just kids, and a lot of people rate the Shugs as having the worst album. And I have heard it; it's terrible. It's out of tune. It, they don't. They wrote their own songs, and they were just they were just young girls who were pushed into it. So I don't consider that. But when you actually want it to be good, <laughs> and it turns out disastrous, then that's the worst thing. So they had this. They had this. <laughs> you gotta listen. To the, I'm laughing because if you heard the album you would be both disgusted and laugh at the same time because it's such a ludicrous idea because the sound of a keyboard trying to make the sound of a like a Jimi Hendrix guitar solo I swear to god this I'm not saying this to, for to get laughs or anything but it's the only album that actually gave me a headache like an <laughs> actual physical pounding headache, headache. And then when I put it on again to make sure that I just wasn't having a headache because it was coming on anyways, it gave me a headache again. Like, I'm serious. This album is dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. And it's just, oh. And, and so Attila released this one album, which if you try and get, I mean, I got it on real cheap on CD, unfortunately. 
Uh, but if you try and get the original album, I think it costs a lot of money. Uh, that the worse the album is, and the rarer there is, the more people want it. I mean, well, yeah, if it's got someone like Billy Joel, who much later did uh, music much opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that <laughs> uh, that bad uh, high school yearbook photo that, uh, that you can't get rid of. Yeah, Joel himself has gone on record as saying the album is psychedelic bullshit, <laughs> which is being kind. We were really high. <laughs> oh, and it has, you know what? I did not know this. I swear to God, I have you just this. learned it right here. Right I have now. just learned this right now as I'm looking at my notes. Uh, but I've had this album as my worst album for about 15 years now. And I just seen that Attila has been selected by all music website critics as one of the worst rock albums i actually did not know that but <laughs> i really didn't i have ever since i first heard it i said this is terrible and then it only took one or two more listens to say no it's not terrible it's the worst album i've ever heard <laughs> <laughs> now there is <laughs> it exists oh here he wrote okay here it is attila this is from all music it website it says attila undoubtedly is the worst album released in the history of rock and roll hell the history of recorded music itself <laughs> <laughs> there have been many bad ideas in rock but none match the colossal stupidity of Attila. <laughs> I never read this. I'm sorry. I had this up here on, on my uh, uh, tab, on my tab, but I hadn't read it. I just had it for uh, information purposes. So I'd never read it before. That's exactly how I feel. Um, and the funny thing is the drummer, John Small, the band broke up after the one album, not because the one album was horrendous, but because Billy Joel stole John Small's wife and, oh. and married her. And that's that's the woman he sings about in Just the Way You in Are. Just the Way You Are. Songs. Okay, and then yeah. he broke up with her a few years and later. Then, and then he broke up with her and got with Christy Brinkley. And then I think he broke up with her? And then he broke up with Christy Brinkley. Okay. And uh, he has a real, I think, very nice young, of course, like all rock stars. Yeah, you just, every 10 years, years yeah. make a trade in. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so uh, that was the issue. There's lose so many. Them, lose them. See, I, I, I like that part about the, uh, oh, you know what? This music really sucks, but at least I got your wife. Um, <laughs> so that is the worst album I've ever heard. And I don't even, I really don't even have to think about it. It just comes to me like, boom. There's nothing that even comes close. There are, you know, a couple of albums that, that are in the conversation for me, but oh, you're right, right out, right off the bat. So thank you, uh, Doug McDougal. Hey, now you can tell your friends at the pub. Hey, you know, get is it? Is it? Is it? Tell us the worst out never. I need challenge all Scottish people to come beat the dog. <laughs> <laughs> I love Doug. Doug, come over here. We'll have a pint, but no fighting. And don't uh, bring Bora Bora. By the way, the album is on YouTube. If you want to listen to it, I highly recommend you don't because it sucks cow dung. But if you want to actually listen, you can listen for free on YouTube and enjoy none. <laughs> Your enjoy quotient will be 0, 0.0. Um, Doug, we got no prizes for that question or any question because we don't give out prizes anymore because people robbed our whole warehouse full of uh, valuable rice cakes. Yeah. Yes. But you do get made fun of on the air 
which is priceless. Yeah, you can't uh, you can't buy that. <laughs> All emails should be sent to soundsfromthe70s at gmail.com. That is, again, Rob, soundsfromthe70s at gmail.com. And uh, you know what? If you send your email in and ask a question, we will not make fun of either your name or where you're from. I promise. (laughs) (laughs) You got a good sound from the 70s promise. (laughs) We keep our promises, he says. (laughs) If we remember, which we don't. We never do. Uh, It's time now for the segment that only I like. I hate this Oh, I didn't open up a tab. This. I did miss a tab. Every week I miss a tab. And today. Miss a tab. I missed a tab. And the timer was off. You're slipping. You know, and you know what? We wasted the story because I'm going to need you to tell us some sort of story <laughs> while I find this. Uh, but anyways. I knew this was going to happen. I should have told a story. Uh, the, the segment I love and nobody else does is statistics. 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 That's what I said. Statistics. I approach to statistics. This is where we give our <laughs> listeners the recent up-to-date statistics on our show. It's fun for the whole family. And even their kids, you can tell them, like, later on, when they when they are born, you can tell your kids, you know what happened many years ago when I was listening to well, We heard some numbers show? which were irrelevant to our lives. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All these things are irrelevant except to me because I find them interesting. Uh, so I'm just going to, you know what, I have to go to the washroom for a second. So Rob is going to tell you another story about what happened at work this week. Well, uh, I was at work there, and I uh, heard some commotion over by the uh, convenience store there, and it uh, turns out there, there was a couple of bums who were uh, having a stick fight. and uh, A dick fight? Yeah, but with sticks. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you could hear the, the sound of the thumping from, like, uh, you know, when they'd smack each other uh, all across the alley, all across the parking lot. and With their dicks. I don't believe this story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I have a hard time believing that these people were fighting with their They were unemployed (laughs) porn actors, okay? Okay, I got it. I got it now, Rob. You don't have to to, uh, make up stories. Um, What do I want to say about statistics? First of all, I want to say one one of the most, since the beginning of the year, this is like our halfway porn show. So I, that's why I brought up And you'd expect things to change between the beginning and the halfway. Yeah. yeah. Um, sure. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that this is the thing that surprised me, is that the third most popular show that we've done since the beginning of 2020, well, the first most popular show was our Bruce Springsteen show, which was our Greetings from Asbury Park, which very much expected... Just like our second most popular show was the Simon and Garfunkel show. No, it's changed. <laughs> In fact, get your statistics together. It's changed. Yeah, it's changed. Okay, it's changed from two days ago when I was doing the background for this. Bruce Springsteen is no longer an number one radio show. All our Simon and Garfunkel fans have collaborated together to. Surp, uh, mm. Bruce Springsteen and Bridge Over Troubled Water is our most popular show of 2020. Bruce Springsteen is number two, 
They all fall short, though, uh, not surprising, but kind of surprising, of our late, our last show of 2019, which was our Christmas show, our Carpenter show. Every time we have a band like this. Like, I like the Carpenters, actually, so I'm not going to put them down. But every time we have a band like the Carpenters or Captain and Tennille or Helen Reddy, people, like, flock to it for some reason. And I don't, I don't, I really don't understand. I believe it's, like, the really older, older crowd who uh, just are actually clicking through. Is that the kind of crowd through. that we're getting? <laughs> for those shows, yes. We get the hip ones for uh, shows wow. like this. Okay. Well, I think uh, they're just randomly typing, you know, um, uh, names to the, uh, the internet and uh, we come up. Practically typing names. So, uh, what old people do, just round, randomly type things for yeah, no reason. Yeah, they, they kind of like uh, the cattle walk across mm -hmm. the keyboard. And, oh, what's um, that? What I was saying is that those are the first two most popular shows, which are not at all uh, surprising. But it's safe but to what say is surprising, neck and neck. Yeah, they're neck and neck, which I, I predicted also. But I did not predict that of all the shows we have done this year, the third most popular one would be an album that hasn't even been available to buy since 1972. <laughs> Kenny Rogers in the first editions, The Ballad of Calico, has been enormously popular for an album that you can't even buy. And not <laughs> even on CD. I find that you can't even stream it. It's a... It's a <clears throat> It makes, like, I know people think that maybe this is a boring segment of our show, but I just find, if this is not for me, I find the the listening audience amazing because they constantly surprise me with their eclectic choice of music. And I, that's why I want to bring this out on our show. It's not just because, oh, you know who listened to this and you know who No, what I'm saying is, is that... It's astounding the like you can never predict on this show what is going to be huge and what is not. I could have kind of I could have guessed that Bruce Springsteen and Simon and Garfunkel were going to be popular, but you never know because our audience could reject it. But I never would have thought Kenny Rogers in the first edition, a concept album by Kenny Rogers in the first edition, would be our third most popular show and have a whole bunch of listeners. Not like that just. That just makes me goofy. It makes me a little bit goofy. And uh, uh, secondly, it's because there's so little information on that album that uh, anyone who does type it yes, up. Yes, I didn't even up. know about this album until Kenny Rogers passed away and they did the Rolling Stone article. I did. I know everything about the '70s and I didn't even know about this <laughs> album. That's why I thought, oh, like for the people that know about it, you know, maybe they'll tune in. But I think it's important to put this album on at this time. I didn't expect all these people to come flocking to listen to it. Holy smokes. You know, smokes. That, uh, that album, it's kind of like the town it was written about. It's a ghost album. It's a ghost album. <laughs> we should do a ghost show. <laughs> uh, of course, I, I have to say, like, again, the, the mass appeal for, for shows like the two Judy Sill albums is so heartwarming. And it, it just reminds me of what a great audience we have. Um... I also want to say that the 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 album that uh, one of the few albums that Rob has really panned, Arlo Guthrie's Amigo, is doing very well. I think it's a classic album. That stinker. Uh, you know what? Let's not fight, Rob. <laughs> and this is important. And if we do fight, all we'll four drink. soundtracks, all four the soundtracks, of course. If anybody 
remembers our soundtrack uh, theme. Yeah, I'm all four about, uh, soundtracks three of them. are just are, have done huge. Like the whole soundtrack theme was our our four best episodes as far as listeners are concerned. But it surprises me because hair started off very weakly. Like it, like even <laughs> after two weeks, it was like, oh man, this is this is really sucking. Like I didn't think like the hair album is really bad, but I didn't know <laughs> didn't know would drive people away from the show. <laughs> I didn't know we'd get even less than so our regular that's audience. That's what does it. Okay. And now it's like our third most popular show behind two other soundtracks, like all. And Tangerine a, Dream better be in there. Now I'm going to tell you. Hold on a second. I'll tell you that a little bit. Still, Curtis Mayfield's Superfly, which is which is also one of the soundtracks we did, and an album I think is one of our highlights of our whole yeah whole uh 69 shows that we've done so far. Seriously, one of our that was top awesome highlights. Surprise. We were just blown away by how great that album was. Had has done fantastic. But it has really leveled. Like, it has leveled so that almost, you know, nobody has gone back or to listen to it. Like, the other soundtrack albums, like, it really burst out of the gate. And then, it, like, very strangely, it kind of leveled. But it still is one of our top shows. But I'm surprised that in the last four months or so, kind of like people are, yeah, whatever. <laughs> forgotten. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's a super album. And we're talking about... Tangerine Dream, Sorcerer, and Grease soundtrack, which is far and away our two most popular shows, which is stupendous and sad in different ways. Stupendous because of Tangerine Dream, Sorcerer being having just so many listeners, but then sad because Grease, which is a piece of crap, is not the not the episode, just a piece <laughs> of crap album. Uh, the episode was actually really good, but that is our most popular uh, by, and it's not by far anymore. Uh, it used are to be Greece, our, our Greece episode was our most popular episode by leaps and bounds. Now, Tangerine Dream is nipping at its heels. And <laughs> if if one day, very soon, Tangerine Dream can overtake hair and become our most popular show, we're retiring, and I'm retiring yeah. happy. Job done. <laughs> Job done. <laughs> so long as hair is number one, uh, we're failures. We well, can't go Greece, home to our parents. Greece, number one. Greece, yeah. But if hair was number one, too, I was just yeah, like, oh, I was my like, God, uh, what are we doing? i got to hide my face in shame. I'm going to uh, – you know what also has done – this is I, – I love this audience. I really do. They're so eclectic. You know an album that really – and again, for some reason – I'm talking about an album we really disagreed upon uh, was the uh, Alice Cooper offshoot, Billion oh, Dollar yeah. Babies, the Battle Actors. Rob Battle really Acts. liked, and I really did not. That's um, any Alice Cooper fan is going to maybe hear that show and say, I got to listen to that. Started off slow, very medium, you know, just very in the middle. And it just we just keep getting listeners every week to it. Um, <laughs> Billion Dollar Babies is right up there in our top 10. And it just amazes me. I really thought that we did this album because we wanted to listen to it. We didn't really think that we would get very many, you know, yeah, extra listeners. I heard about it for too long. It was this uh, this lost ship at sea. That We uh, actually <laughs> both heard about this album in high school, and but yet, like, nobody ever listened to yeah, it. Yeah, because who had it? Nobody, nobody had it. It was so rare. So yeah. we wanted to listen to it and put it on there. 
And I had a segment anyways, which was uh, what happens when your lead singer leaves your big band. Yeah. And you had the doors on also. But like, and I thought the doors would be a big album. Billion Dollar Babies has twice the amount of listeners that the doors episode just before that has. That's how big that episode was. Like, it's just, I, can, I can't predict anything on this show. I swear to God. And that's what I love about our audience. They're so eclectic, sometimes bitchy. <laughs> if you have an album they don't like, they're going to let it drop. By the way, we have by far the two two uh, al- two albums that just never did anything at the beginning and never did anything since then. And it's been like a year and a half. <laughs> Our worst episode by far. And not that disappointing to me. Nobody knows him. And I brought it up because Rolling Stone had a piece on it was Andy Pratt's resolution is our poorest out uh, is our poorest one. And, and to be honest with you, I don't know if anybody's really listened to it in the almost year and a half. <laughs> like it got its initial, it's got its initial, it's initial like, listen. And then, and then, uh... then, then, then like it's rarely gone up. <laughs> and the other one in which I'm disappointed in, even though nobody probably knows the band either and it was one of our very first episodes. I'm going to check and see. It's our third episode, actually, when we were still gaining. I got our, them all written down. When here, we I'll were gaining. You. Oh, no, feet. I don't. I started writing them down at 20. We were really still learning how to do this show, but it's such a tremendous album, and I just love it. And I, I've loved it for 40 years. It's Jewels and the Polar Bears, Got No Breeding is unfortunately just sucking. And I wish people would listen to that. I'm not, if there's only one episode, I would say people listen to it and see if you like our comments about this album and get it because it's one of those lost classics that I do, we do the whole show about. You know what I mean? Like I'd forgotten about them until we were flipping through that book and uh, you point out Judas Priest and uh, Jules and the Polar Bears are on the same page. Yeah, and they got good reviews. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's such a great album. And, and, uh, it's very. It's one of the few disheartening things about our whole statistics for our show, is that the numbers are so low. And I know it's low because it's one of our first shows. It's like our third show doesn't get the appeal of the first two because everybody listens to the first two shows to see how what the show's like, and it doesn't get the appeal because nobody remembers Jules and the Polar Bears. I will but, not claim to know the mind of the listener. That is pretty much what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> through this whole segment, and I know we've done this segment three or four times before to keep you up to date, is that I can never predict the mind of the listener. <laughs> and I'm not saying you're wrong in not listening to Jules and the Polar Bears episode. I'm just saying I wish people did because, you know, what they choose to listen to is totally up to them, obviously. But it's just just disappointing. Santana 3, by the way, also exceeded expectations people really loved that was an awesome album that was an awesome that's album. one i still play from time to time you know what it is it's so <laughs> do I, I pull that one out you know what because <laughs> it's one of those albums that you can listen to whether you're doing something or whether yeah. you're listening seriously you can leave it on and it's not gonna piss you off exactly unlike the television <laughs> or unlike the hair soundtrack or, or unlike uh, commercial radio <laughs> like sometimes when we touch did i talk about that oh yes i did uh, i wish i could do another one like that <laughs> i didn't get any songs that pissed me off this last four days i only hey, have four days just drive here with the radio on quick turnaround that's why i didn't have any out- songs to pick out it was a quick turnaround week i almost turned around in my chair i thought there was something behind me like a spider quick turn around 
Anyways, <laughs> so we're gonna head. Uh, we're gonna head to. I said, uh, as I just looked at the time, and we're gonna try and get this show in on time. Damn it, we're gonna try and get this show in at least under an hour and a half every week. We're gonna make it. And it's gonna be cool. Yeah. Today we are going to review the final album, in, and I'm sorry. I, sorry for interrupting myself. I hate interrupting the thoughts, but I. I didn't even get to our listeners, like where our listeners are, are coming from. But I don't think that's important. Uh, that's more of an ego thing, what we do on here. Than, no, than, no, that's uh, interesting. Uh, I find it interesting. And I find it, I, I, I just wish the, I hope the audience finds it interesting. Like, like not only are they listening to the show. Where are the rock and rollers, man? Yeah, where are the rock, rock and rollers, man? Give in us Egypt? a brief. Uh, in Egypt, man? Are there many in Egypt? You know what? If, if you want, I can look it up, Rob. Egypt. That's all I'm asking for this week. I'll expect more. You know what? I got rid of the tab. I will do this on our first episode back from two weeks from now. One week. Two weeks from now. I will do the statistics of of uh, where our listeners are coming from now. Okay. I know that we got at least one listener in Newfoundland. (laughs) We have we have listeners from every place in North America now, which makes except Mexico, but Mexicans. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, Those damnable Mexicans. So, sorry for interrupting that, but today we are going to review the final album in our British New Wave series, and we conclude with the second album, and I know they're not a British band, but screw you, they're kind of British because if they're across the pond (laughs) and they speak English, they might as well be British. (laughs) They're Irish band, the Boomtown Rats, and their album, Atonic for the Troops. Which was released in 78, 79. I say that because, like all new wave and punk albums, it seems at that time, they were released at different times between North America and England and with different tracks, as we have said before yeah. on this series. Uh, I just want to point out, uh, I think that's really disrespectful. It's strange because all that was past. You know, they used to do that in the 60s with the Stones and yeah. the Beatles and the Kinks and all that. And then all that seemed to be gone for 10 years. And then all of a sudden, these soon as new punk wave and new wave along, bands came. And, and the it, record companies guys did not recognize it as art, didn't take it seriously. No. Oh, it's just a bunch of songs we can dabble with it, put this year. These guys don't know what they're doing. You know what? That's so English that our, our audiences in North America ain't going to get it. So let's put the, this song on there. And it's like, We no. know best. Idiots. Wow. So the album was released in late. Well, no, it actually wasn't even released in late 78. It was released right in the middle of 1978 in England, and it was released at the beginning, February of 79 in North America. Uh, And the Boomtown Rats, who I love, I will have to admit, love the Boomtown Rats. Um, As I said, they came from Ireland. Bob Geldof, the main writer, and everybody knows Sir Bob Geldof, of course. Uh, and he's the singer of I knew Bob Geldof when he was just Bob Geldof of the Boomtown Rats, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I was a fan of Bob before Geldof. Before he was Mr. Live Aid exactly. or Pink Floyd. Yes, that's right. Before even, the Vegetarians of Love. I even forgot that he was pink. I forgot that. That's right. <laughs> uh, I did. Yeah. <laughs> and he did a really good job as pink, too. He did. Um and he started off as uh, actually a music journalist. 
you know, uh, reviewing albums. Really? And, uh, a guy who writes a song, he was Don't a... Believe What You Read? Yes. That's, I, <laughs> I caught that, too. Yeah, I caught that, too. A former journalist from, with the New Musical Express, and uh, then he decided, somebody said to him, I don't know why, but somebody said to him, like, if you know so much, yeah. why if, don't you do it? If you want to be a critic, uh, yeah, that's what I'd say to a critic. You think you can do better? And um, so he's one of the few guys yes. who did it. He did. <laughs> like, seriously, like you only see that in movies where guys, you know, guys really uh, egocentric. And he goes, hey, if you know so much about our music and our band, then why don't you go start a band, you, you <laughs> wanker? And he said, you know what? I do actually think I know a lot about music. I'm going to. Not only did, but he did it with a very successful band. <laughs> with one of the biggest singles of 1979. Anyways, uh, other than that, I think, other than I don't like Mondays, um, and I think that's what they're, that's what they're known for. Uh, also, I guess in North America, I mean, they're a big band in, in, the, in the UK and Europe. But for North America, of course, I don't like Mondays, which was huge song, yeah. huge. Uh, they're also known for appearing on SCTV in one of their best episodes, the, uh, the "To Sir with Love" takeoff of "Teacher's Pet," starring Ricardo Montalban. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which was a great episode, and actually the rats uh, they were acted very good in that. Very Bob Geldof. This was before the wall, by the way. He acted very good in that. And you could see that there's actor quality in him. When you, you know, see they're, they're traveling through town. They're, they're dressing room after a show, and they're going to knock on the door. Hey, you guys want to be on TV? <laughs> <laughs> they probably thought they were going to play a couple songs, which they did, but to actually act in the skit. And they did a good job, all of them. Um, that's probably what most North Americans know them for, is those two things. But uh, they were just... Live Aid, you well, they appeared at Live Aid. Bob Geldof is mainly known for Live Aid. He's known, yeah. yeah he's one of the guys. And um, so they released their first album, which is a very a great album also, in 1977, which was uh, more of a punkish album. You know, all guitars and, and, and stuff like that. Really good album, but not not really a lot of singles from it. Did nothing in, the, did nothing in North America. Then A Tonic for the Troops came out. And the thing about A Tonic for the Troops personally is that i read about the boomtown rats in an issue of rolling stone in early 1979 and it was an incredible article because it was it just it just i wanted to listen to this record after i read it uh music was so just great at that time it was just like band after band and then they would do articles on them and it, if you you know, it was kind of like social media, like Rolling Stone and all those magazines were social media. That's the only way you could find out about bands, especially bands that they didn't play on the radio. How else were you going to find out yeah. about bands? And so I borrowed my brother's Rolling Stone, which I did almost every week, unless I had the money to buy an issue of Rolling Stone. And not only was this issue great, because it had the Boomtown Rats in it, which I was immediately captivated <clears> by, <throat> by the whole article. And I had to listen to the record. But they also was one of my first instances of reading about the clash in that same magazine and i wanted to hear the clash i wanted to hear this album the first album which had still not been released in the states because they said that north american audiences could not uh, were not ready 
for the Clash's, <laughs> for the Clash's first album. And now I wanted to hear the Clash's first album and then their second album, Give Him Enough Rope, which we will be reviewing when we do... Uh, Punk Week? I forget Punk what Punk. we were doing. We, uh, yeah, we'll review it because we already did Punk. We already did British Punk, but we, we will uh, sneak it in. I said when we do a Clash album, I wanted to do Give Him Enough Rope for some reason, and I will. Um, oh, I said that when I, I told everybody we weren't going to do London Calling because it's technically... Even though it's technically a 1979 album, it was released in December 1979, and everybody knew about it in 1980. And then I said on that show, we can't do London Calling, but we'll do give them enough rope from The Clash because I just felt like it. Because I think it's an it's an underrated album and should at least be heard instead of being buried as the album that nobody's listened to by The Clash. Anyways, I read this great article on The Clash also in this. By the way, Ted Nugent's on the cover if you ever see it on ebay it's a great issue of rolling stone from 1979 and i saw this and lo and behold i know my brother saw the article too on the boomtown rats and the clash because within a week or two you had both bought the same album he bought okay. i didn't have money i was only like 12. <laughs> i i was like a lot money. of lawns to mow back then a lot of that was a lot of money back then to buy two albums i probably could have bought one but not two he bought not only a tonic for the troops, but he also bought Give Him Enough Rope at the same time. And uh, and I just went, I have to admit, I went gaga over this album when when I was a kid. I just thought that I listened to it over and over again. I, and you know, when you listen to an album over and over again, it stays with you. Yeah. Little things stay with you for like 40 years. It really does. Like mm -hmm. I, I remember like there'll be sometimes I'll be walking and I'll go, I never loved Ava Braun. Because I used to love that line. I just used to love how he said it. I love Bob Geldof's voice. I do, too. It's, it's a, a very animated voice. You know what I mean? He's got a, a, a kind of a, a cynicism in his voice that uh, is both uh, unmatched and completely earned. It's if completely you read the lyrics, he's, yeah, uh, he, I totally agree with that assessment. not cynicism without justice. It's, and you, uh, It's one of those few voices... <clears throat> That you know automatically when you yeah. hear it on, on the I radio hear like when I heard this album, it was like uh, the Bob's voice was comforting to me. Yes, because of all the other and stuff. And it sounds I've like he about. knows what he's talking. He has one of those. I, I know what I'm talking <clears throat> about, even though he may not. He just has a voice yeah. that has. Yeah, I know what I'm talking about, and I'm you know, and and I just there were so many things about this album that are so catchy. Uh, I still have forty years later. I didn't even put on the record. <laughs> you know the first. When we were doing the record, didn't even put on the record. And I was looking at the titles and I was going, oh, just like she's so modern. She's so 20th century. She's so 1970s. I could I memorized that from like 35, 40 years ago when I used to play the record all the time. I can, I can never get that out of my system. And that's the reason, because Rob said to me when I said we're doing the Boomtown Rats as the last, as the last band in our new wave series. And he goes, oh, fine art of servicing. I said, no. I said, yeah. we're doing a tonic for the troops. And at the time, I thought <laughs> Fine Art of Servicing was a 1980 record. But actually, Fine Art of Servicing is 79. But I still would have done a tonic for the troops because it's not as well known. And I think it should be. Listening to it now, it's not the classic that I thought it was. because, But just because with time, you, you get a little bit jaded. That's nothing to do with music. The music never changes. But I have changed quite a bit. And I realize a little bit of stuff that uh, I don't like now, just little things that I don't like now that I loved back then. 
But the album, oh, it just exudes energy. It just exudes that time, that time when all this new wave music came out, and it was so energetic, and it was such a punch in the arm for rock and roll. And uh, the playing is good, and the, the, the song arrangements are tight. And then it ends with uh, one of my favorite songs, which I never in 40 years ever realized why it has not been being played on classic radio uh the song rat trap which was talked about a lot as a huge single not as huge single but as a uh huge song on the album the rolling stone article never really did anything and i always was for 40 years i've been thinking you mean that why isn't that song played on on classic rock radio i mean i know it's a little bit complicated and maybe a little bit smarter than the classic rock that they that, that they play because it is a complicated song. It's not going to get played now because it doesn't fit in the, the computer's uh, no. bank of. Uh... But I've always wondered why it was never like a big album song, you know, like a big AO, um, album FM, yeah. FM song. I never, I always thought every time I hear it, I go, man, this has, this has. Uh, FM written all over it, like late night. It's 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 part yep. Tin Lizzy, you know, it's the, part Bruce Springsteen, it's part New Wave, and it's part Bob Geldof, and it's brilliant. <laughs> the other ones, I think, uh, the, the the first uh, nine songs were were much faster than this one, and uh, you'd have trouble uh, playing them and uh, having people understand the lyrics. You'd have to get the lyrics on a. You know, what? I didn't know the lyrics. That's a good point because being North American. I made the mistake of uh, looking at the lyrics first and then uh, listening to the album. I actually hadn't heard the lyrics. I shouldn't this have week. done that. I should have just listened to the album like four times, then pulled out. the I lyrics. I've listened to this album probably about thirty times without lyrics. Seriously, because there was yeah. no lyrics with the album, and I grew up not knowing what? most of what was going on in this album, and it didn't matter because it was so <laughs> catchy. And I loved Bob Geldof's voice. And it seemed like and I the would. Parts I would, you do get still draw you in. They still yes, catch it you. draws you in, and you draw your own conclusions. And it could be wrong. A couple songs I was completely wrong what they were about, uh, but I don't care yep. because you know it's. <laughs> it doesn't detract from. It the, doesn't uh, detract from it at all. And uh, I I have to point out before we talk about Rat Trap, I know you want to talk about that. Uh, I don't know if you do, but you, you sounded like you wanted to. You were talking about the other. I did episodes. make a note on it that uh, that you had also mentioned that point. Uh, it did uh, for a number of reasons. Did remind me of Bruce Springsteen's Jungle Land. Uh, I'm not saying it's like it. I'm just saying uh, it's some of those things. It, yeah. There were some things that uh, some elements that were the same in that uh, the, the piano and the saxophone. Those caught me. Um, also, the Phil Lynott uh, beginning, Tin Lizzy, Boys Are Back in Town type thing, I thought was really cool. You know, how he's talking like he, like Phil Lynott does. And oh, they're yeah. both Irish, so I kind of got that, that he was very Thin Lizzy. Uh, it was kind of a, a story song. That's and the other thing I liked Just like Bruce it. Springsteen and Thin Lizzy do are story songs. And the irrelevant thing, uh, which, which I also uh, drew a comparison with, was uh, The Rat. Yes. It's a rat in both songs. There, done. The rat, yeah. <laughs> Completely irrelevant, but... Uh, a couple of things I really wanted to mention, other than the the exuberance, very rock and roll record, very new wave. Yeah. Punk touches to it. Is, I called it... Uh, uh... Who else? Who else? And this is, I think, what I loved about this album at the time, because when you're a kid... You want rebelliousness and you want yep. things that aren't talked about. <laughs> I love, I've always loved, I've never, I never loved Ava Braun because <laughs> I don't know any song 
in 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 rock and roll history where the singer is supposed to be Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a takeoff on like all those, you know, my girlfriend's back, those, 1950s, those late 1950s, early 60s songs. And that kind of, oh, I, I, what was it? Oh, I never knew you were going out with Adolf. <laughs> and you know, I just, it's so catchy and funny. <laughs> and yet it's, it's ghastly the way he talks about how everything as Hitler, which who does that? Who talks like like you're not supposed to pretend you're Hitler? And then he's making like light of all that went on, and yet you're taking it with stride because it's so happy sounding. And the end of it is is very late fifties, which is no, it's not about the genocide and the Holocaust. I never even loved Abraham, <laughs> <laughs> and it's not it's not demeaning at all. It's just a, a a fun song is what it's supposed to be, and it's not supposed to demean anybody as far as anything is concerned but if you take it as it as it is it 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 just captivates me that they got away with it yeah but also that, that they was, got what they did it so brilliantly that was a taboo that was a taboo <laughs> and go. i didn't know i thought i thought when i first listened to it that what he meant was as the singer nowadays i wouldn't love ava braun because she's a nazi it wasn't until i looked at the lyrics for the first time this week that i actually knew <laughs> that he was talking as Hitler. And I was going, that makes it even better. I loved it before. I love it even more now. Uh, and of course, and they're, you know, living in an island, he's talking about suicide. Yeah. And uh, but there's the one that if your parents could actually hear the vocals, but they're going by too fast. They would go, what are you listening to? <laughs> what the hell are you listening to? Um, and it has that kind of eight man kinks type of music to it. And you think it's really funny, like eight man, but it's not, it's about an island. That's a great place where you can kill yourself in so many ways. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, also I like watch out for the normal people, you know, don't, <laughs> don't, don't worry about the crazy people. It's the normal uh, yeah. people you gotta worry about. <laughs> I love, as you can, uh, this is, uh, what you call an album that uh, inspired me and it definitely uh, influenced me in large amounts. But I have to realize that I can't judge the record by that about all the things I love about it. Personally, I have to judge it. Uh, try and be objective. Try and yeah. exactly try and be try objective. And, about it. and I know and listen that as another listener. If I was if I was 12 or 13 like I was when I first 12 years old when I first heard it I'd probably give it five stars and if anybody said no I would say what how could you not give it five stars I'm gonna punch you right in the balls exactly but being more seasoned maybe more cynical uh, I give it four stars not even four and a half because it's just it's 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 just not there. But it's there. It's there for me personally. Yeah. As a personal record, it's five stars. But as a person who has to do a job, this is a force, a strong four-star record that I think most people should listen to. And I hope that's understood, Rob. Like five stars personally, but I can't yeah, give yeah, a personal no, no, rating. No, no. I have to give a critic rating, and it's four stars. Mm -hmm. But highly recommended. I love this album. My turn. Sorry, I take you. Did I get too excited? 
<laughs> no, I was just uh, waiting for a pause so that I could. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, man. I did not like this album at all on first listen. Really? I was not looking forward to listening to it again. Really? Like a, like a Captain and Tennille? <clears throat> not like that. Because on uh, no, like it's kind of a. At first, I thought, uh, you know, uh, why am I listening to this? Uh, I didn't dislike <laughs> why, it. Why did he make me listen to this? <laughs> it didn't grab me. It mm -hmm. didn't catch me in any way. I'm. I view this as an acquired taste because by the second time I listened to it, I only didn't like it. I didn't really didn't like it. Mm -hmm. By the third time, I kind of, uh, it was okay, I let it go by. By the fourth time, I actually wanted to listen to it a fifth time. So I did. And then halfway through, I said, oh, that's enough. I'm taking it off. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, I have to admit, though, Rob, when I, I can even remember back then. And when I listened to it the first time as a 12-year-old, because there were so many words and there was no lyric sheet that I yeah. was I was I was lost a lot of the time and it really I really only caught on to it about the third time. You know what did did what kind of keeps me going on is like knowing um, judging Bob Geldof from his other work and you're still you have to be intrigued you have to I I shouldn't have pulled out the lyrics too early because uh, I was reading the lyrics instead of listening to the music on the first listen. Uh, I gave it a three and a half stars. I liked it. I feel it's a grudging three and a half. <laughs> no, no, I was giving it more, but well, no. I don't want. I don't want no, anything. No, 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 I said no, 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 no. Beforehand, it was like, uh, yeah, it came up uh, with multiple listens, but it almost gets me to think, you know, if I listened to it more, it would grow on me more. So this one is not one that hit me on first, second, or third listen. And we had a short week. We had a quick turnaround. You only had we only had four days to listen to this album, yeah. and you listened to it four times in four days, which is pretty good on your part. I mean, seriously, it is. I mean, uh, that's that's tough when you just do a show where you've listened to an album a lot, and then you only have four days to listen to a whole album yeah. again. For, I mean, what if uh, you know you catch it in the wrong mood or something like that? And right. But uh, that's uh, why we don't like to do quick turnaround shows that often. Yes. Because you can even give a bad review on an album you might like later on, or vice versa. Yeah, I don't want to. Do... I understand that. I understand this. That's the, why this album is not widely known. Is because I agree with your statement, and I that it's not for everybody, and it's for a specific taste. Plus, being twelve, you're I'm highly impressionable. If you know what I mean, and uh, because I read this great article about the band and everything, I was willing to give it more of a chance. Yeah, and maybe it attracted me in a way. There was enough to catch you on the first listen to intrigue you to more to listen to it multiple times. It wasn't until about the the third or fourth listen I started uh, hearing stuff that I liked. Mm -hmm. But I tell you uh, right now, um, listening to the, uh, the past three albums, uh, it uh, kind of reaffirms a thing I already thought, but uh, now can uh, state uh, factually. That first wave of uh, new wave musicians in the in the late seventies, they were really good on their instruments. Yeah, they they were. were good players. They were good players. When I was, uh, they heard the new wave in the eighties. I was not familiar with any of this. I'd heard, you know, a few of the hit songs from like uh, the Cars or Split Ends on the radio, but uh, 
I didn't know what 70s New Wave uh, really was about. I never got to listen to any of the albums. But I listened to a lot of 80s New Wave, and that completely turned me off of any time someone said the word New Wave. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Because I grew up in that. So it's like, yeah. oh, really? <laughs> there was a bit of good stuff I liked there, but for the most part, all I heard was a bunch of guys with drum machines and keyboards playing really simple... Yeah, you know, you, you grew up listening to like uh, oh, because the Who oh, or Led Zeppelin. I, I understand what you're talking about. You're talking about the early and, '80s new wave where yeah, they started to use the drum machines and stuff drum like machines that. and synthesizers yeah. and things started sounding Human the League same. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Whereas you know, they, they had a few bright spots here and there, but it didn't turn me on. Well, that's that's where I got lost. To be honest with you, new wave to me is like '78, '79, '80, and that's new wave, and then and then. Yeah. Other things started to come into it. That that second wave of new wave was much more commercialized. The, the second wave of new wave was more the uh, Spando Ballet, the uh, Human League, all that kind of stuff, which some of it was nice, some of it was not. But you couldn't put on an album by these, or Depeche Mode, another one. You couldn't put out an album, personally speaking, by these people and be surprised too much whereas there was so much energy coming from that first wave yeah so much energy far as um the, the musicianship to rock and roll the rock and roll was kind of missing by 81 and it became more technical it became more keyboards and stuff i understand yeah, exactly it got ironed out if it I got had, standardized yes, if i had started listening to new wave music at the time you did i bet you i'd have the exact <laughs> same reaction seriously and but I grew up on all this guitar oriented rebel kind of fuck you music and it just drew me in. And you know, you speaking of musicianship, I didn't notice at the time, but when I listened to it 40 years later, and I hear a song like Rat Trap, the first thing that attracted me. These guys me, had to be good to play this stuff. That is a complicated song. <laughs> and every instrument at some point has to play something you know the piano the sax the bass what it goes doom, 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 yep. doom. like that there it's not just one instrument that has everybody has to hit their cue at the same time because it has like four different parts that reminds me more like uh more of the old symphony orchestra it does that. it does and that's what caught me when i heard it this time didn't catch me when i'm a kid because i'm a kid i'm not thinking like that but Maybe I was in my subconscious, but not at the I, when I was thinking about it. I remember I loved the guitar coming in at the end. Da, 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 it's a rat trap, and we've been caught. Da, 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 you know all that energy. But when I listen to it now, I go, "That's a, like a masterpiece of putting things <laughs> together and arrangement and playing, especially playing." Yeah, a lot it's... of new wave bands get criticized because oh, it's just three chords. They're not three chords. That was punk, and even punk was inventive with the yeah. three chords. New wave music, it's why it's called new wave music instead of punk is because it's different. <laughs> and as much as Rat Trap is, um, uh, you know, a brilliantly written, the other songs are um, uh, not all that simple either. No, they're not. They have a bunch of parts that you have to be right on. And that's that's why I liked new wave music in the late 70s is because How did most music... albums were like this. Most yeah. albums, they were patchy sometimes. This album's patchy a little bit. Yeah. I I can't review this album to be honest with you. Yeah, I, yeah. Can, I my three even, and a half star rating. It it fluctuates in that uh, the more you listen to it, the higher your rating will. Rob, be. your review <laughs> is actually more of like the reviews that came out from all the critics at the time. 
about three and a half. Uh, the oh, one in all music, only, all music only gave it three stars. That was pretty much, I remember Rolling Stone said it was a good album, but not great. I didn't care. I mean, you don't go by what critics say. You go by how you feel. Yep. But it just hit me personally. I, In all honesty, we should have done the fine art of surfacing because I'm a lot more distant to that album than I am to this. This is a real personal favorite. And maybe it was a wrong choice because no, I, I can't so. say too much bad about it, even though it, it's not very objective, to be honest with you. But I wanted to get that energy about what new wave music. And I don't know if we got that with the first two episodes. Yeah. But when you put on a record, you did not know what you were going to expect. And sometimes you got blown away by the the guitars and the energy that was kind of missing from mainstream rock and roll. And uh, the who would write a song called I Never Loved Ava Braun? The Stones aren't going to write a song like that. Paul McCartney is going to write a song like that. Only young kids are going to write a song like that. And I feel yeah. this album represents that. But... I don't know. I still feel very conflicted having this album on because your perception, I think, is more accurate than mine. Mine is way too personal. Like I say, this is an acquired taste. and uh, No, not an acquired taste. It's, 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 I believe it to be one of those albums where the more you listen to it, the more you will like it. On first listen, it, uh, it can be overwhelming. <laughs> it's fast uh it a lot was of very overwhelming fast lyrics it was you know what you're flashing me back 40 <laughs> years man seriously it was overwhelming the lyrics the britishness of it that i couldn't make out the lyrics because they were so even though i really loved bob geldoff's voice right from when i first heard it it was all a rush of i can't make out the lyrics no but you can make so out British, enough pieces of but the i could make out like 20th century which i could say like and and you know and couldn't make out too much of Ava braun but i could i loved when he the music stopped and he said and i never loved you know <laughs> like little bits and i was said i gotta listen to this because there's something here and you're right it <clears> is <throat> i'm i'm going back 40 years and i'm always thinking before i did this show today that i love this album but I didn't until about the third or fourth listen. How can you give an album uh, a rating if uh, it uh, changes over time? I don't know how you can do I mean, the album. album doesn't change. I don't know how I Your can... perception of it does. Yes, the album doesn't With change. With me, the more listens, I um, uh, liked it more. With you, um, you were in love with the album early on. Later, you give an objective listen. You still love it, but... Yeah. I don't think I don't think I can rate this album then, to be honest with you. In that in that point of view, which I agree with, yeah. I don't think my rating I think you get more from I'm, what I've been saying than you get from my ratings, because I can't rate this. I just said <laughs> it's five stars if you ask me after the show, but during the show it's four stars. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> I mean it makes sense, but yeah. in a way it doesn't. Are so you I to... you know what? Take my ratings as just like yeah. something I have to do on this show uh, and just listen to what I said. Rob's rating Mine's is much a, more accurate than mine. But my still, rating. it's an off-the-cuff rating. So. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's a good point about how can you rate meant, something that you love? Really, yeah. <laughs> it's a good point. That's why I try not to pick albums, which I did this time. You know, uh, every I think now and then. Uh, every now and then I try and sneak in an album that I love because I want people to hear it. You yourself more. to live a little. And yeah, I want people to hear it. I really do because I love the album so much, but I don't think it's good for the show. <laughs> and uh, you know what? I, I think your first instinct was right. Uh, I think somewhere along the line, we will do the fine art of surfacing and maybe be 
have a little bit more of a balanced view of an album instead of this. I don't think it was wrong to do this album because I want people to hear this album, but I think it was wrong to judge this album from me. From you, it's okay. But for me, I'm not almost judging it. I'm just saying how much I love it. <laughs> but also the other thing, in the future, we'll have a whole week to... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know... We're not going to do this quick turnaround thing anymore. The quick turnaround, uh, which we've done it's once or twice. It's not enough listens. It's not enough listens. We have to time. cram everything in, and we have yeah. to cram our feelings about an album, which we usually do in seven days into four. And it's not fair to us, and it's not fair to our listeners. And uh, But I do believe... But because even four listens by you, Rob, is not fair. He usually listens four times to a record in a week. Yeah, but, but there's a difference out. between listening in seven days and listening four times in four days. Yeah, which is really uh, unfair to Rob to and then have to say, well, "Did you like it as much as I did, Rob?" Because I love it. <laughs> I, I think I was the one who picked four days ahead of time as being the best. Rob was day the one for... who said, "I don't want to do the weekend again." So we so we picked. Uh, the four-day quick turnaround but uh still i i think people know what we're talking about we always say on this show don't necessarily go by our ratings but how we present the album and i hope we presented the album to you as it is like it's a guitar album it's a new wave album There's, the keyboards are not electronic they're all piano <laughs> this one is hard-edged frantic new wave that's exactly what it is <laughs> That's what we're trying to get across. We want to describe the album to you, and that's not necessarily how great it is or how bad it is, but just what the album feels like, what you're going to listen to if you yeah, buy it. Yeah, I'm going to be uh, describing my impressions. Uh, you know, did it grab me? Did it not grab me? That's the biggest one. This is one of our strangest reviews <laughs> ever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you realize uh, objectively you have a tough time. If uh, we had to re uh, uh, uh uh, do the Judy Sill albums with just one listen, I would have given a totally different review. I agree. I yeah. would too. And I love Judy Sill now. And um, don't bring me up on that again. Because, <laughs> but no, know, I'm just using like her the, as an example, as the first when I one heard, I know I'm going to, yeah, exactly. Because I just want to see Multiple listens before we leave. change my perception. Exactly. Of, when I first the heard album. the Judy Sill album, I heard a lot about her. Uh, but I've not too many people have heard her albums when i first heard that album i didn't know what the hell she was talking about i had to have the lyrics on the <laughs> second and third and at first i was the first listen i was going like i i don't know what all the fuss is about from the critics from back then i really don't and then by the second or third i was going i love judy still <laughs> i wish you were still alive judy because i'd marry you quadrophenia was one of them yeah exactly that's why saying hey that's like saying hey you got to love Quadrophenia in four days, okay? Yeah. <laughs> That's unfair. Yeah. Like, how do you... You can't really hold critics to too much. No, you can't. Because you know what? They didn't get four listens. They got one. And maybe two if they were lucky. <laughs> That's why people always harp and criticize critics and themselves. Myself included. Uh, and Rob, I know, has done that for like 30 plus years. But I kind of knew what was going on. I'm Deserve like, a good nut chicken. <laughs> when you only got one listen, and they even admit, John Landau, who was the very first rock critic at Rolling Stone, said, hey, if I could do all, almost all my record reviews over again, I would. Because, you know, we got one chance at it. And the editor says, Jan Weiner says, here, you got three days before you have to write this up. 
it's like we lose either way. If we overpraise it and then we don't like it later, it comes back to haunt us and vice versa. So, <laughs> hero or bum. Hero or bum. And on that note, that's all for today's show. One of our strangest shows ever. <laughs> uh, and uh, not too bad, though, for a quick turnaround episode. Uh, we did our best. We won't be doing any more, I don't think, of these. No, we need a full week. We are taking a very, at least I need a much needed week off. I got a drummer drawing, trying to drag me into doing a gig. And I'm supposed to be doing two practices next week. And I keep saying, I don't want to play. And he keeps not listening. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> We're taking a question. I don't know what you're talking about. If I don't know, how are they going to know? you so, got an easy week. i got a hard week. But when we come back in two weeks, we have a very special five-week series that will blow your minds, man. It's so special, even I don't know what it is. You do. I told you last week. But or I last, forgot. Last four days ago. Yeah, I did. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I remembered earlier today, and then I forgot before the show, and now I just remembered. <sighs> So <laughs> if you got if you understood that you get a free t-shirt. So uh, until then, stay safe and goodbye. Goodbye. I just write her off.